Hey everyone, welcome on into the Fantasy Bros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Tagliere. We're here to talk Week 12, Start or Sit. We've got a great guest today. It's Kyle Yates of the Fantasy Footballers. He's on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I'm at Bobby Fantasy Pro and tags us at Mike Tagliere NFL. Kyle, thanks for coming to the show. How you doing, man? Hey, any, I'm doing great. Anytime that I get a chance to talk to you guys, it is a good day. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Tags, what's going on, buddy? Oh, nothing, man. It's, it's weird. We're, we're recording later in the day, so if I sound feisty, that's that's why that's happening. I have a, a full belly of food, which is something that doesn't happen very often when we podcast because, well, my fasting window is in between, like, I eat in between, like, two and six. So uh, we usually record before that, and um, I'm usually, like, hungry at that point. So now I'm, I'm full of food. I'm good. I would think being hungry would make you more feisty. Um, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm weird like that. I don't know. Like, I, I think more clearly, I think, when, when I'm not, when I haven't eaten... Uh, but then when I when I eat, it's just like, oh, everything is just like, let's just let it go. Yeah, you are very weird. Now, Kyle, I've got to ask you this, okay? I'm looking at your Twitter right now. I'm seeing Chicago Bears stuff on the banner. Am I talking to two Bears fans today? Oh, completely. You should have already known that. Oh, yikes. <laughs> That's so sad for you guys. And here I am. My team's got like just as many wins as yours. And they benched our best quarterback. What a bummer, man. What a big bummer. You guys ready to talk some starter sit? Absolutely. I'm ready to talk starter sit and move away from talking about the Bears. Yes, completely. We're going to rock and roll with running backs here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about our start sit assistant, which I think is going to help you guys win your leagues. You can check it out at fantasypros.com slash my playbook. And basically what it's going to do is it's going to give you instant recommendations on the best lineup for your team every single week. You can view the percentage of experts who would start each player on your roster. So basically it's like having a team of experts in your war room helping you make the right decisions for your fantasy football lineup each week. You can even edit and set your lineups for any league directly from within my playbook. And again, that's at fantasypros.com slash my playbook if you want to check it out. Okay, let's do running backs then. What do you guys think? Start or sit Christian McCaffrey this week? <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, we're not going to talk about guys like that, but there's you know there's a lot of guys where you get a lot of questions about. And uh, what we're going to be referencing today is something called ECR. You can find it at fantasypros.com slash rankings. You can just follow along as we're talking about the positions one at a time. We're starting at running back. And these are the players ranked, uh, running backs ranked 15 to 35 that we're getting a lot of questions about, you know, the fringe starts. And um, it really depends on who you have on your roster. But I'm going to ask on the guys we've been getting a lot of questions about. And ECR, by the way, stands for Expert Consensus Rankings. So it's the industry consensus. You take 100 analysts around the industry, and this is where they're ranking Jalen Samuels, RB18. Guys, I've got him at 13 this week against Cincinnati. Kyle, do you consider him a must-start this week? I do. I have him right at 14, actually. So uh, really, really high on him this week, especially if James Conner sits. And I think that uh, at this point, I expect him to uh, just because and I mean, even if even if James Conner does play, we're talking about a guy who is getting re-injured and, you know, kind of consistently at this point where if he takes one hit, you know, who knows what will happen. So I think Jalen Samuels is a good RB2 and yet even like a good flex play, even if James Conner does play. I think that's fair against Cincinnati Tags. Would you agree with that assessment? I have him at number 12 right now. I do, I do not anticipate. So we're like the three highest in the industry on him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, I have. So the Bengals, they aver, like their opponents average nearly 30 running back touches per game. And I know that Samuel is not going to get that. Uh, his 2.6 yards per carry is pretty terrible. But the Bengals, are, they do struggle. And uh, he actually had a decent game against them when they played earlier in the year. I think he had 83 yards and a touchdown. But I actually think that Trey Edmonds is somebody that you could actually, 
if you're like in desperation mode and you're like, I'm just hoping to listen to this podcast and find someone that you can grab in any league, I think Trey Edmonds is probably going to get eight to 12 touches in this game against the Bengals who have, they've really struggled to stop the run. So uh, Samuels, he's probably going to catch a lot of passes too, uh, just because like Mason Rudolph, he doesn't have many pass catchers available. It seems like Juju's not going to play. There's a lot of reasons, right? And Mike Tomlin's not an idiot. Deontay Johnson's probably out too. Yeah, Mike Tomlin's not going to have Mason Rudolph go out there and throw a bunch of passes. They need a win in Cincinnati, and that's basically the bottom line. They're on the road. It's a division game. Yeah, Samuels is a, a, a very good volume play, and he should have a ceiling against this defense too. And what did we see a couple weeks ago, right? Jalen Samuels had 13 receptions because they were splitting him out wide. He's basically a tight end slash wide receiver that they happen to be playing at running back, and they just put Trey Edmonds in the backfield, and he had a pretty decent game. Now, Kyle, if you're going down for a running back below that RB30 range, you're really desperate, you need to pick someone up, would you rather go with someone like Trey Edmonds, or do you have somebody else in mind that you're fond of? I think Trey Edmonds is a fine flex play uh, if you do have, you know, if we do get word that James Conner doesn't play. And at this point, James Conner isn't practicing, so I expect him to play. So I think you can do you can do worse than Trey Edmonds. But there's a guy that I really do like, and you have when people are listening to this, you kind of have a quick turnaround. But that's Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines actually may be on your waiver wire in some leagues, and so for with Marlon Mack going down, probably going to be sidelined for quite a few weeks here with that broken hand, fractured hand. You now have a guy in Naheem Hines who ran the ball really well in college, hasn't really filled that role in the NFL, but yet he can do it. He's a pass catcher, and I expect this. I expect the Houston Texans offense to bounce back uh, significantly in this game from last week against Baltimore. So now you're looking at Naheem Hines having to be involved in this game. Uh, and so in the game plan. So I think Naheem Hines is a really, really good play, and I'm rolling him out there in a few leagues. And plus, who was it that got that goal line carry? Naheem Hines, right? Uh, the, the one I'm fond of, and uh, this is going to sound bad because he didn't do as well last week. He only had 27 yards against Arizona, but guess who led the team in snaps? Raheem Mostert had more snaps than Tevin Coleman. So if Matt Breed is out tags, do you think he's a decent play against Green Bay? Uh, it's really tough. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that Brita does play, but it right he didn't practice today. I don't think so. I don't know. It's it's so tough. That backfield, I hate that backfield, by the way. And uh, over the last couple weeks with Emmanuel Sanders in the lineup, ever since he came, basically, those those running back touches have started to kind of go down. And Raheem Mostert's not getting the goal line carries. They're giving those to Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson had like one snap and he scored a touchdown again. It's, it's kind of ridiculous at this point. It was uh, Who was it on the Patriots last year that did that? It was their their fullback. Basically, he had... James Devlin, yeah. Yeah, Devlin. He had, like, uh, I think it was, like, six or seven touches all year, and he scored, like, five touchdowns or something like that. That's kind of like Jeffrey Wilson. But Exactly. One guy that I will go down, and if you guys want to go outside the top 30, and by the way, I, I saw that he's available in 99% of leagues, is Patrick Laird from the Dolphins. He's a guy that uh, was using the passing game last week. He caught six balls, six to six targets for 51 yards. More, much more efficient than Kalen Balazs. Obviously, we know what happened with Mark Walton this week. Patrick Laird, I mean, against Cleveland, that's a team that's that's down so many starters on their team right now. That I mean, uh, let's see. Miles Garrett, obviously not going to be playing. Um, they lost uh, Morgan Burnett. They're starting safety in that game. He's out for the year. Uh, we heard on the, the appeal of Larry Ogunjobi. He's going to miss this game. So it's the, this Cleveland defense wasn't great to begin with. But they're going to score points on Miami. Cleveland needs a confidence builder. Baker Mayfield's been playing great. So on the other side, you're going to look for the passing down work. And and Laird is a guy they're probably going to take a long look at uh, over the, the last month of the season. That is a really good call, Tags. I like that one a lot. Now let's play the game where I give you guys three running backs, okay? You tell me which of these three you would prefer, just so we can hit a lot of players. And then we'll move on to the wide receiver position after we do a couple of these. Uh, so let's go David Montgomery. Been struggling a little bit. 
but he gets the New York Giants this week. Uh, we'll go Philip Lindsay. Not a great matchup against Buffalo. Actually, it's not a bad matchup because Buffalo against running backs isn't as good as they are against the pass. And let's go also with Carlos Hyde. So David Montgomery, Philip Lindsay, Carlos Hyde, Kyle, you're first. Who are you taking? Yeah, well, I have Philip Lindsay ranked at RB16 on the week currently. So I really like him in this matchup just because I think he is going to get consistent work. And uh, the Buffalo defense is is good. I like them on paper. But, I mean, it's not like this vaunted, vaunted defense, right? So I think Philip Lindsay is a safe play. Out of those three, I would take Philip Lindsay. I think that's definitely fair. I mean, Royce Freeman was heavily involved earlier in the season. The last few weeks, Tags, we've seen this phased out a little bit. Philip Lindsay was playing 76, 77% of the snaps last week, and he had 18 touches against a good Minnesota uh, defense. This is a better matchup. I think he's an absolute lock, but I prefer David Montgomery. Do you agree? I have them right next to each other, so you can make the case for either of them. Uh, Buffalo has struggled against running backs. There's, I mean, think about it. We've played 10 games of football so far, right? And they've allowed 12 running backs to finish as top 24 performers. So knowing Philip Lindsay outtouched Royce Freeman 2-1 to one last week and that they've talked about getting Lindsay uh, the ball more, I, I think Lindsay's a fine play. I have him at 14. I have Montgomery right there at 13, though. Uh, I think David Montgomery's a fantastic play. We were worried about him last week with the Rams, but he did get plenty of touches in that game. I thought he looked fine, uh, giving him an additional week. Again, this is a, this is a Bears team. They're at home. I want to say that they are six-point favorites in this game. Their, their team implied total is like 23 points. So it's like... Are we are we anticipating Mitch Trubisky to throw for three touchdowns? No. Uh, Montgomery is getting the goal line work. Tariq Cohen's mixed in. He got more touches than than usual last week. But Montgomery was a little bit banged up. I think we're going to go back to seeing you know Montgomery in a positive game script getting twenty touches against the Giants, guys. Yeah, and that's what, I mean. The Giants have been so hit or miss. I, I was looking at that uh, earlier this week, and it's there's certain teams that you just look at their their logs and you're just kind of like. This team is just so hit or miss. Like, they can't stop anybody in the secondary. Like, their secondary is pathetic. But again, the Bears, Matt Nagy, he's not going to have Trubisky drop back and throw the ball 40 times. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do like Montgomery this week. Lindsay's safe, though. I mean, Lindsay's probably a safer play, but I think they're in the same conversation. All right, so next three. These three are ECR 21, 24, and 25. You guys guess who 21 is, and then tell me, Tags, you're going to go first this time, okay? Here's the three. Sony Michelle at home against Dallas. Kareem Hunt at home against Miami. Miles Sanders at home against the Seahawks. Who are you going, Tags? <laughs> I have Sony the highest, and I don't feel great about it. I've got, yeah, I've got Sony the highest as well. I mean, these guys are all outside of my top 20. Once you get outside the top 20 running backs this year, there's so many committees that you're not going to feel great about any of these guys. But you prefer Sony of that bunch, I'm assuming just because the goal line touches? Yeah, he plays in a high-scoring offense. Tom Brady is struggling a bit. Uh, we saw Bo Scarborough have some success against Dallas last week. They can't, they're not going to throw the ball against them. They've got to run if they want to be successful. And they're getting Isaiah Wynn back this week. That's going to help on the offensive line a little bit. So, I mean, Sony, it's so weird, man. Like, I I don't want to just sit here and say, I, I don't. <laughs> Tom Brady said a quote that is like, and I, I really should take emotion out of this, but Tom Brady said a quote. He said, I have to start, we have to start thinking about it differently. We have to say, what's the strength of our team? And the strength of our team is not our passing game. It's not, it, it's our, it's our defense. And what, what do we have to do to make our defense as efficient as possible? We have to keep them off the field. So I think Tom Brady was kind of implying they need to run the ball a little bit more. And, uh, cause he's just not playing very well right now. So Sony's been targeted to so like more quarterback design runs like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. Same kind of, same type of athlete right there. Same type of athlete. Exactly. Same guy. Kyle, who are you taking? You go on Sony Michelle as well. Well, I guess that uh, we know why Kareem Hunt is so high in the ECR. Uh, I have him as RB18 this week. 
I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. I think with Kareem Hunt, we've seen him heavily involved in the passing game. So we have like a safe floor with Kareem Hunt. And then we factor in the, you know, projected game script where we talk about, you know, Cleveland could go up big on Miami. I think Cleveland does need to go up big on Miami and get this offense kind of, you know, right their their get right game. So when we're talking about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, both of them are involved. And I think Kareem Hunt could get to the point where you know, we get into the fourth quarter and you know we see his carry count increase while they're resting Nick Chubb. Again, that's projecting a little bit of a game script, but against Miami and with Kareem Hunt's involvement, yeah, I'll roll with Kareem Hunt. You know, if you could get Jamison Crowder against Miami and know that Jamison Crowder is getting five to ten carries, wouldn't you start him? What, what I'm saying is Kareem Hunt is getting as many targets, as many receptions, and similar receiving yards to Jameson Crowder every week. I mean, I don't know if they're going to have to throw the ball a whole lot. It's why we haven't seen a whole lot of receivers kind of go off against uh, the Dolphins. It's just because teams haven't thrown very much. But the good news is, is that running backs have averaged uh, over 32 touches per game against the Dolphins. So that, I mean, even if Nick Chubb does get 22 touches, that leaves another 10 plus, you know, for Kareem Hunt, which is more than enough to get into flex territory. I'd be struggling to decide between someone like Kareem Hunt and Latavius Murray. I think Latavius Murray's a similar start to Kareem Hunt. I love that call, man. I was going to ask about Murray because I've got him well inside my top 30 this week and ECR's at 32. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get that one either. Kyle, maybe you can give us some insight as to why Latavius Murray might be a little bit lower in ECR. Yeah, where do you have him, Kyle? Yeah, I have him right at RB35. So we're still talking about a player that I'm considering flexing. Uh, with Murray, though, I think there's just some there's concerns about his workload. And I think that people are, you know, the experts are kind of a little bit off on, you know, what he could come into this game with. Well, we talked about, you know, Carolina two weeks ago and we said, OK, yeah, they're getting gashed consistently. Well, then we see them get stuffed and you know the running game gets stuffed um, against them with Brian Hill granted so I think that that's part of it part of the thought process there where Latavius Murray just doesn't have a guaranteed workload now if they get up big he could but we just it's not guaranteed so I'm looking at a couple guys here Jamal Williams the number two running back for Green Bay it's a good offense I don't think it's as good of an offense as New Orleans and they're going up against San Francisco we've also got Royce Freeman number two running back far and away behind Philip Lindsay for Denver's horrible offense going up against Buffalo. And then we've got Latavius Murray, the number two running back for New Orleans. I think they have the best offense of this group. I think they have the best matchup of this group. And if you look at their touches over the last three weeks, Latavius Murray has the most touches of this group. And yet Jamal Williams is sitting here at 27 ECR. Royce Freeman is down at 34, but I think some people are going to play him. I would much rather play Latavius Murray than even Jonathan Williams and Bo Scarborough this week, Tags. Same. I'm with you 100% on that one. I have Latavius Murray at, at 25, and then I have um, Jamal Williams at 29, uh, and then you get down to Scarborough and Williams. Williams is at 33 and moving down rapidly. Like I keep moving him down more and more. Jordan Wilkins is going to play in this game. T.Y. Hilton might play in this game. It's just like... Bummer, man, for all those people who spent 70% of their fab budget, and I saw a couple in my leagues. Yeah, there was a few leagues I actually forgot to submit my waiver claims on for Jonathan Williams, and I'm kind of happy that happened because uh, <laughs> I probably wasn't going to get him anyways, but... I did the exact same. I did the exact same. Yep. But yeah, it's like one of those blessings in disguise. And and if I was choosing between Bo Scarborough and Jonathan Williams right now, I'd probably say Scarborough has the safer role. I've got him at 27 this week. It's a good matchup against Washington. Uh, now there's a chance Ty Johnson ends up getting all the carries because Detroit surprised us like the last four weeks in their backfield. But he did look pretty good last week. And uh, I was not expecting that. And this is a much better matchup. So I've got him RB 27. I think he's a solid flex. Now let's do three more running backs, okay? We got Ronald Jones, ECR 22. He's at Atlanta. James White, ECR 23 face Dallas, and I'm going all the way down to my guy, 
Adrian Peterson at home against Detroit. ECR 33. Kyle, you're first. Ronald Jones, James White, Adrian Peterson. These guys are 26, 28, and 30 in my rankings this week. So uh, James White is up there for me at 26. Uh, we saw a dip in production from him last week, but consistently he's been as about as solid of a running back that you can roll out uh, week after week. And so I think we start to see that come back to the norm here against Dallas. Tags, who do you have? Yeah, James White has yet to finish outside the top 30 running backs in any given week. He's never, I mean, that's in PPR formats. I know it's half PPR, so he may have, he may have been like 32, something like that. Uh, his floor has been there. Uh, he has not finished in the top 12 running backs yet, though. So it's like he's living in that RB2 territory, that low-end RB2, high-end RB3. And with uh, four good teams on by this week, I have him at RB18. I think he's the clear-cut play here. So hold on, you're playing him over like Devin Singletary then? Yes, I would play him over Devin Singletary. I, uh, if you if you look at Dallas, like where they struggled, like that's a zone heavy scheme too, and uh, they have already allowed uh, three different running backs to total six plus receptions and sixty seven plus yards. So knowing James White is a guy that can see ten targets in a game. Uh, we have Philip Dorsett probably not going to play with this concussion. Julian Edelman has been very mediocre. Mohamed Sanu obviously things aren't clicking as much. There's just like you look at the the past the past like the receiving group of this team, and you're just like. If Tom Brady's struggling, what are they going to do? They're going to check down a little bit. They're going to ease up the pressure to create some uh, less of a pass rush. So I think James White, I, I would play him over Sony Michelle. I, I would play him over Devin Singletary, yes. Okay. I mean, I've got James White 25. I've got Ronald Jones down at 27. I like Adrian Peterson quite a bit this week. That's why I wanted to bring him up. He's ECR 33, and I know that Darius Geis is there, but when you watch these two running backs play, I mean, Geis was a great prospect but he doesn't look even close to the same he looked before his injury. Now, he did scramble for that nice touchdown. That was great, but I think Peterson is still going to be the guy, and they've got the matchup against Detroit. They've been running the ball so dang much, and yeah, last week he was bad. Everyone's bad against the Jets running, so I think he tears up Detroit. He's a great GPP play. We'll talk about that tomorrow, Tags. Yeah, that's bold, my friend, uh, saying he's a GPP play. Like, I could understand saying that it's going to be a 50-50 split because like we saw last week, it was nine carries, seven carries. Guys uh, obviously you know, scored that long touchdown through the air. I have guys higher because I think that they were going to slowly ease him in. Oh, man, you got – oh, ECR has him higher. I have Peterson at 32. I have guys at 26. Man, I'm a big dork, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not a dork. I mean, we could be wrong, but it's just like anticipating them increasing his workload a little bit. Brian Hill, what do you guys think about him against Tampa? Tags you first. Boring. Um, I have him at 30. I, I would rather play guys with some upside. I would rather play Ronald Jones. I'd rather play Tariq Cohen. Uh, he's going to have that, you know, 12-plus touches in this game. That's going to happen. But Tampa Bay has just been brutal to running backs. Like, <laughs> I mean, some of the best running backs in the leagues. And if you look at their schedule, Tampa Bay's schedule, that's the, that's the craziest part about the fact they've been so dominant against the run is because they've had, like, one of the most difficult schedules against running backs. Kyle, who are you taking? You mentioned Naheem Hines earlier. Would you rather play Naheem Hines than Brian Hill? And what about Tariq Cohen? Yeah, completely. So uh, Naheem Hines at 25 for me, and then Brian Hill all the way down at 34. I just think with what we saw last week from Brian Hill wasn't exactly inspiring, and then you move towards the matchup against Tampa Bay. I'm trying to push him down my rankings just to kind of tell people like, hey, kind of look for other options, and there are other options. And I think the big thing for this matchup with Atlanta and Tampa Bay is that both of these secondaries are a little rough. Now, we've seen 
Atlanta start to turn things around recently, but I expect this to be a very high-scoring affair and a lot of the production coming through the air. And so with Brian Hill, I just don't think that it's going to leave, like I, like Tech said, like 12 touches, I think, and that's just not enough for me against a very good defense to, you know, sw- you know to, to sway that. So uh, Naheem Hines completely for me. And then I have Tariq Cohen right at 33. So I have Brian Hill one spot lower. Yeah, I've got Brian Hill outside my top 30 as well. No upside. I think a pretty low floor, too, against Tampa. All right, guys, we're moving on over to the wide receiver position here in just a minute. But first, I wanted to tell you about a giveaway we've got going on. We're giving away a signed Dak Prescott full-sized Cowboys helmet. You can check out the details at fantasypros.com contest. But basically, what we need you to do is just leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, then take a screenshot and send it to us at contest at fantasypros.com. Again, the details for that are fantasypros.com slash contest and we're able to do these giveaways thanks to pristine auction when you go to pristine auction it's free to sign up sign up use that registration code fantasy pros first of all it's going to tell them we're sending people their way that way we can keep doing these contests and also it's going to get you five dollars off your first purchase and this time of the year is the perfect time to use pristine auction because they've got hundreds sometimes even thousands of items they auction off every day because people want to buy gifts for their parents for their brother for one of their friends their kids whatever you want It's a great place to buy gifts, and everything is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources. I'm going to give you an idea of what some of these prices look like, okay? What's the most famous helmet in all of football? It's the Mason Rudolph helmet, of course. You can get a signed Mason Rudolph helmet for 42 bucks. If you want to go up to a superstar, I saw an Amari Cooper helmet the other day went for 115 bucks. If you want to go over to jerseys, they've got multiple sports as well. It's not just football. I mean, you can get Earl Campbell. I saw an Earl Campbell signed jersey. 39 bucks the other day. You want to go into basketball? Dr. J signed jersey. 75 bucks. He's a superstar. Bobby Hull jersey, one of the best hockey players of all time. Signed Chicago Blackhawks. Bobby Hull jersey. $36 the other day. Guys, check out Pristine Auction. You're going to love it. PristineAuction.com. P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E Auction.com. Guys, let's go to the wide receiver position, and uh, we're going to start a little different this time. Instead of just jumping into the which of these three do you want game, we're going to go down and get that deep guy that might have a good matchup. Nobody's thinking about playing him. If you need to pick somebody up, who could it possibly be? Now, Tags, I know exactly who you're going to say, so why don't you just start with Taylor Gabriel? (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I'm actually going to go a different route. Uh, I like Taylor Gabriel. I do. I think he's one that you can go to, but another guy that might be available is uh, Nelson Aguilar. Okay, sure. Yeah, he's ECR 52 going up against Seattle this week. Alshon's going to be out. I mean, Ertz is the obvious tight end one this week. Dallas Goddard's probably top five or six tight end this week. Do you think there's enough against Seattle for Aguilar to be startable? I do. I mean, think about it. Think about the targets that Ertz got last week. Think about the targets that Goddard got last week. And Nelson Aguilar walked away with nine targets. Seattle is not a good pass defense guys like if you look at the schedule in terms of the quarterbacks that they've played it's been absolutely brutal and then like that was uh that was one of those games where I attacked in DFS and I made money because of it uh when they played against the Bucks because a lot of people were like oh it's Seattle and blah blah and I'm like no 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 the, the competition these teams have played is, is is brutal go ahead and play Jameis Winston like stack him with the receivers and uh that game turned out to be one of the highest scoring games of the year in terms from like from a DFS standpoint Nelson Aguilar if he gets nine targets against the Patriots I'm expecting plenty of targets against Seattle. Uh, they just don't have bodies at receiver. Like they're not targeting Mac Hollins. They're not. They obviously don't trust uh, JJ Arthago Whiteside. Jordan Matthews is a guy that came off the street, Bobby, and he saw five targets last week. He caught one of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, Aguilar, he should be fine in this matchup. I, I think that he's actually a top 36 wide receiver play this week. 
Okay. I mean, he, he gets a lot of targets when Alshon's out of the lineup. You go back to week two, week three, 11 targets for 107 and a score, 12 targets for 50 yards and two touchdowns. He was awesome in those weeks. I think he's got a lot of upside. I'm not fighting the play. I was just asking the questions I think other people are going to ask. Can I ask you guys a question? Like, I'm going to, both of you guys give me your answer. Would you, like, why would I not want to play Nelson Aguilar over someone like Terry McLaurin, who is tied to Haskins, who is going to be traveled, or, like, Darius Slay is going to follow him around the field? Terry McLaurin's really dang good at football. He is really good. This has nothing to do with skill set. It's talking about playing fantasy, like the targets. and He had a great matchup last week against the Jets. And what did he do? 10 PPR points. Well, the thing with Terry McLaurin that we have to remember is like, and, and this is part of the argument with, with fantasy football, is that Terry McLaurin had like a huge play that was called back on an offensive holding. So if, we, if that goes you know, his way, then we're talking about Terry McLaurin a very, in a very different manner. And then the same to tag on to didn't mean the pun there to tag on the tags is <laughs> point there uh with nelson aguilar the final play of that game in philly and new england was a deep bomb you know end zone target to nelson aguilar super tough catch but he didn't come away with it if he comes and hauls that in we're talking about nelson aguilar in a very different you know sense here so i think with with aguilar i'll say like this is for me dependent on if jeffrey plays but aguilar is a super deep target that i think could pay off if Jeffrey sits. I love the call tags. I think it's a great call. Uh, Terry McLaurin, by the way, ECR 25. So I guess you've got him outside your top 36. I have him at 36. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's that's wide receiver three territory. I would consider it an achievement if he finishes in wide receiver three territory against Darius Slay with Dwayne Haskins throwing him the football. And it was a, it was a 55 yard catch that he caught um, that was called back due to penalty. But Terry McLaurin's so frustrated, man. Like they tried moving him around a little bit. He played more in the slot last week, which is, which is always good because, but Darius, Darius Slay follows receivers anywhere. Uh, but I see what they're trying to do, but he only got four targets in that game. So it seems like Haskins isn't going to force feed him. Remember? So think about it. Darius Slay is a tough matchup. I think we can all agree on that. Go back to the Vikings game when Dwayne Haskins came in. Okay, like the second half, he didn't have a single catch against the Vikings, and that's a really good matchup for wide receivers this year. Then you look at the Jets. That's legitimately probably the best matchup in football right now. He ends up with four targets, three catches for 69 yards. Do we anticipate Dwayne Haskins throwing a bunch of touchdowns? I don't think so. So it's like I I look at it and I think, okay, if we have a guy that's going to get more targets that are coming from Carson Wentz in a better matchup, I'm playing it that way. I mean, I understand McLaurin's like 20 times more talented than Nelson Aguilar, but it's all about the targets and, and who they're playing and who the targets are coming from. Yep. I think that's totally fair. So how high do you have Taylor Gabriel? Kyle, we'll get to you in just a second on some of your uh, sleeper starts. Yeah. I have Gabriel at 39. Okay. I've got him at 41. You really talked me into him yesterday. In fact, I recorded a video on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash fantasy pros with our sleeper, with my sleeper starts of the week. And Taylor Gabriel, I think was number three tags. Why don't you explain why he's a good play? Yeah. I mean, so this is a matchup where the giants are probably going to have Janoris Jenkins kind of following around uh, Allen Robinson, which means Deandre Baker is a guy that's going to see uh, Taylor Gabriel because Gabriel plays the majority of his snaps in the perimeter. And uh, that's where Deandre Baker is. Deandre Baker in his coverage this year has allowed a 149.3 or something like that quarterback rating in his coverage. <laughs> That's not great, Bob. <laughs> no. And if you go and look at it, like you look at the matchups, you go back to Washington where it's like they bracketed Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel saw seven targets. You go against the Chargers where it was Casey Hayward. Taylor Gabriel had six targets. You go against Detroit, Darius Slay, 
Taylor Gabriel had six targets. Then you look last week against the Rams with Jalen Ramsey uh, following around Allen Robinson. He had 14 targets. I don't think they're going to be throwing the ball a whole lot, but when they do throw the ball, Gabriel's probably going to be in that five to seven target range. And if he gets that many targets against DeAndre Baker, he could do some real damage. Like Baker is, I think it's like 18 yards per catch that he's allowing too. Okay, Kyle, finally to you. Sorry for making you wait. Um, you know, you, you like the Aguilar pick. What do you think about Gabriel and who are your sleeper starts? Yeah, well, I really didn't have Gabriel on my radar uh, as a as a top play this week, but I, I do see the argument from Tags, and I, I do think it's a really good argument. It's someone who, I you know, I based on this, I'm probably going to be bringing up in my rankings. Uh, same with Aguilar. So I think it's a good matchup play. You're tying yourself to the potential of, you know, this offense again does nothing in Chicago so that's the you know the worry and Gabriel has been struggling with hanging on to the ball recently he's been experiencing a lot of drops so it's concerning I think the target count will be there but what he does with those is you know of course up to him Uh, for me as far as like a a player that I'm targeting and I'm rolling him out in a couple of leagues uh, it's Russell Gage Atlanta wide receiver like I mentioned in my uh, argument against Brian Hill I want pieces of, you know, the the passing attack in this in this matchup against Atlanta and Tampa Bay. And so for I think that Calvin Ridley can have a really good game. Julio Jones is Julio Jones. We don't need to, you know, dive into that. But Russell Gage, I think, has a really good matchup this week and a really good potential, really good potential to kind of blow up and I I think see consistent target in a game where they're going to be passing a lot. So I love to tie myself to those kind of matchups. And so Russell Gage is currently my wide receiver 34 for the week. I love it. I'm all in on generic wide receiver face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not going to argue with you there. Tags, where do you have Gage? I have him at 50, but it's it's funny because I, like as I looked at it, I, I was like, oh yeah, I like Gage too. And then I looked and I'm like, why do I have him at 50? And I'm like looking at the names ahead of him and I'm like, it's like one of those areas where I could see moving him up like eight spots in my rankings. Yeah, like what's the difference really between wide receiver 38 and wide receiver 52? Yeah, if you t- if you want to tell me you want to start Russell Gage over Randall Cobb, I shouldn't argue with you. It, Kyle, it's the same almost argument that I had for Traquan Smith last week. Now that didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> the Bucks offense did not score like I'd hope they would without Marshawn Lattimore in the lineup for the Saints and uh, it, it really cut down on the pass attempts and Traquan Smith was a dud because of that but the logic is there to play a slot receiver against them like uh, they they cut Vernon Hargraves and he went now he's with Houston that, that, that just goes to show how bad Houston is right now he goes there Tampa Bay has MJ Stewart going to the slot a guy that was benched and then he was out last week and I'm like oh come on like go come on Traquan Smith I, I put him in a few tournament lineups thinking he, it, it could pan out like big and it, it never really did but Russell Gage has been getting targets ever since they traded uh, away Mohamed Sanu and if this is the the shootout that Kyle's talking about that I also agree with Gage should be a guy that you could save six to eight targets and if if you get that many targets I mean we still have Austin Hooper out of the lineup we still have Devonta Freeman out of the lineup uh Brian Hill is not quite the pass catcher that Freeman is so if they have to throw the ball a little bit but we what we need though in the end we need Atlanta's defense to go back to sucking I don't know if that's gonna happen man they look pretty dang good I don't know how ever since Dan Quinn stopped calling plays man that was the turning point I don't know this is still the same personnel that was not good I mean that defense has been so bad for so long. I It's still a two-game sample size. I could be wrong. I cannot believe it. If they have one good game the rest of the season, I will still be shocked. It is incredible to turn around. I mean, they have they took their wide receiver coach and moved him to defensive back coach, and that apparently fixed everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Bill Belichick's going to hire him next year. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, some obvious starts. Allen Robinson, John Brown, Cortland Sutton, Tyro Williams against the Jets. 
uh, Curtis Samuel, Jarvis Landry against Miami. We're not going to get any questions about them. Emmanuel Sanders, assuming he plays. What about Michael Gallup, though? He's been so good, but he gets the Patriots, Kyle. I, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Tw- 23 targets in the last two weeks, though. I know. This is part of it where I, I hesitate because I'm like, I'm scared. But yet, I'm also weirdly confident at the same time. Like, it's this super weird dynamic with Michael Gallup where, I mean, we, I saw that catch last week that he had where he juggled it in the air. It was a beautiful catch, and he has been involved in this offense. But that has been because Dak has been throwing for 400 passing yards each of the last, you know, however last many games. Yeah, well, the matchups, I mean, the Giants, Minnesota, Detroit, Philly, the Jets, those are five great matchups in a row. Exactly, and then I think the thing with Dallas is that Dallas wins the game that they're wins the games that they're supposed to win, and then they lose the games that they're supposed to lose. And this is a game that they're supposed to lose. So for me, with I think Dak is going to get stifled in this game. Now, if he comes out and he throws for 350 passing yards, I think he is clearly in the MVP conversation. But I don't. I'm not projecting that to happen. So when I talk about Michael Gallup there's kind of pause there where I think that what New England does is they take away your best strengths. They take away your best option. And I think that if Amari Cooper sits, that immediately turns to Gallup. So with Amari Cooper playing, there's a potential Gallup could go off and, you know, with uh, the secondary coverage there. So it's like I said, it's a super weird, like I'm very hesitant, but very confident at the same time. I don't feel great about ruling him out. Oh yeah. I totally understand that man. Like tags, I think the Patriots are taking away their two best options, every team's two best options this year. Would you be surprised at all if Gilmore shadows Gallup and they double Amari Cooper? It could be that way. I don't even know. It's so difficult because Belichick, he always says, I'll take away your best option. I'm going to take away what you do best, and Amari Cooper's clearly that, but Gallup has to be respected too. Uh, But if you look at it, that's the thing, is like the matchup. The only real defense that Dak has played this year, in terms of like if you go through in a schedule, I'm talking about like you actually look at it, the Saints have been the only tough matchup that he's had all year. Well, they were really bad at that stage in the year, too. They weren't even, yeah. Well, that was like, that was the beginning of their turnaround because they did get Sheldon Rankins back for that game, I want to say. Uh, and that's like, they got David Onyemata back in week two. The close of his season, man. The Patriots, the Bills, the Bears, the Rams, the Eagles. Yikes. You're going to find out if Dak's the real deal. And I, I think he's a, I think he's a really good NFL quarterback. And I was defending Dak before this season. Like people, I have Cowboys fans, like legit Cowboys fans that we argue. My buddy Matt, he actually does some articles on the hockey side for Fantasy Pros. He talked about Dak saying, oh, Dak's not really the answer. Uh, but Trubisky's not the answer. And like basically even Cowboys fans didn't really believe in Dak. And then this year, all of a sudden it's like, oh, Dak is, he's he's God. And I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, Dak is really good. And I, I stood up for him even through, you know, his trials that he had like some of the troubles that he had but this matchup is just it's been so brutal uh to quarterbacks I mean if he walks out of this game with with 250 yards and two touchdowns that's like a really good performance uh, against the Patriots I thought you were talking about Gallup I was like that's a great performance man well it's when you start breaking that down you're like well what, what does 250 yards do what does that actually do for Michael Gallup and I don't know if it does enough I have him at wide receiver 28 I would be torn if you're telling me to choose between Gallup and someone like Will Fuller or Brandon Cooks uh I don't really like the matchups uh, the matchup for Cooks either but I I have Gallup at 28 higher than those guys, though. So His ECR is at 18. I'm guessing because of the targets. Um, I've got him down at 22. I still feel great about starting him, of course. But it's a really interesting dynamic, as Kyle was talking about. Now, let's go on down to uh, three more guys, okay? Devontae Parker at Cleveland. Tags, you're going to go first on this one. Jamison Crowder, getting a lot of targets as well. Face Oakland. And Debo Samuel, with everybody still banged up in San Francisco, 
He gets a home matchup against Green Bay, whose secondary hasn't been quite as good lately. So Devontae Parker, Jameson Crowder, Debo Samuel, tags, go. Well, he's well. Debo Samuel's banged up too. Like He's been uh, missing some practice and being limited, uh, so he's actually dinged up as well. So this one comes down to Crowder, Parker. I have them right next to each other at 22 and 23. I think they're both starts this week like in, in most leagues. Devontae Parker just continues to produce. I mean... 55 yards and or a touchdown in nine of 10 games this season. The only game he didn't was against the Patriots. If you, if you take away Devontae Parker's name, people are starting him every single week. Without without a doubt. But he's going to be guard, uh, shadowed by Denzel Ward, I would assume, right? They're, they haven't been shadowing. They've been playing the sides with Greedy and Denzel Ward. But Parker's been getting it done in tough matchups. Like, think about it. Like, last week he went against Tredavious White, 135 yards, seven catches. Ryan Fitzpatrick does not. He's a stud, man. Devontae Parker is like legitimately a top 15 real life wide receiver in the NFL. He's just stuck on Miami. I'm not going to say top 15. I won't go. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Parker fan, but I'm not going there. But, but I mean, he's been top 20 this year in fantasy with the Miami dolphins. It helps that Ryan Fitzpatrick does not give a truck. Um, like he does not, and he's willing to throw it up in one-on-one situations and Parker can win those. So I am happy for Devonte Parker, but I have Crowder one spot higher. I, I, I mean, I can make the argument either way. Uh, Kyle, where do you sit between these two guys? Yeah, well, the thing with Parker that we have, like, if we're talking about what we talked about previously with the the game script of Miami and Cleveland, well, if Cleveland gets out to a big lead, Miami is going to have to throw. And they can't run the ball anyway, so. They can't run, well, yeah, they have Kalen Balaj. <laughs> so then, I mean, when you're talking about now you have a large target share to go around, and who's going to be getting those? Potentially Patrick Laird. Mm-hmm. And three targets for Albert Wilson. The rest are going to <laughs> right. Devontae Parker. So I think that he's a really... M- Mike Gusecki has been involved. I mean, uh, yeah, I, but you're right. Parker's getting eight, 10 targets this week. Right. And so I think that Parker is a really good play. It's not going to feel great. Uh, I don't think any rolling any Miami Dolphin into your lineup is going to feel great, but it could work for you. And I have him as wide receiver 21. Now, when we're talking about uh, Jamison Crowder and Devontae Parker, a very again, we're talking about very very close gaps in ECR, right? So, but with Jamison Crowder, I have him as wide receiver eighteen, and we need to be talking about Jamison Crowder as a star wide receiver in for fantasy. He has, I looked this up the other day. I think he within the past few weeks, from weeks eight through eleven, he's the wide receiver nine on the season, and he has just been dominating target share. He's filling that Jarvis Landry role that we saw works, you know, so well for fantasy in Adam Gase's offense in Miami years ago, and he's getting touchdowns. And so I think that Jamison Crowder now heads into, takes all of that, now heads into a really good matchup with Oakland. Yeah, he's in my starting lineup for sure. Do you guys know how much hate I'm going to get on Twitter for saying that about Devontae Parker? It's going to come raining down on you. It's like when you and Davis Maddock tried telling me that DeAndre Hopkins wasn't a top five NFL receiver. Dude, we don't we don't need to bring that up, man. Okay, we don't need to bring that up. <laughs> there were a lot. There's a lot of good wide receivers in football. Between like one and six, it's all really close. But yeah, Hopkins is a lot. Yeah. Top five, man. Absolutely. <laughs> By the way, who do you guys think has more fantasy points this year? Star wide receiver Odell Beckham or Devontae Parker? Parker. It's, it's Parker. Parker. There you go. Which kills me. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And like Beckham's been healthy the whole dang year and he's with Baker Mayfield. It's just incredible. All right, guys, a few more wide receivers to talk about. But first, I want to tell you about FanDuel. This season, there are more ways to win than ever because FanDuel has more ways to win cash prizes and once in a lifetime experiences during every single game, every single week. If you've never played FanDuel fantasy football before, that's great. 
because new users get $5 in site credit upon their first deposit. Tags and I are going to be doing our DFS show tomorrow, so you can tune in and see what players we like, but I'm just going to give you a hint. Jalen Samuels is a must play if James Conner is out this week. There's two other running backs I absolutely love as well. And the best thing about playing DFS, it's so different from season long, right? You can pick a new team every single week. Say you drafted some bums or, you know, you just happen to run into David Johnson, Antonio Brown, all these situations, and your team's absolutely ruined for the full season. If something like that happens in DFS, so what? You pick a new team next week and you can be totally flexible. You don't have to lose to the guy who gets Christian McCaffrey with the first overall pick because you can get Christian McCaffrey every week, no matter what, if you want, as long as you can fit the full team under your budget. Guys, injuries and busts aren't going to ruin your season, and you've got a chance to win millions of dollars. Sign up for FanDuel now and get $5 in total bonus. Just make your first deposit to get started, and you'll get $5 in site credit. Go to FanDuel.com slash FantasyPros or download the FanDuel app. All right, guys, next three wide receivers, Marvin Jones at Washington. Kyle, you're going to be first. Marquise Brown at the Rams, DK Metcalf at Philadelphia. Marvin Jones, uh, Marquise Brown, DK Metcalf. Kyle, who are you taking? Yeah, uh, it's Marquise Brown for me. I think that there's concern about Jalen Ramsey shadowing him. There's also potential we've seen in the past where Jalen Ramsey has actually like moved in and covered tight ends, which makes him such a valuable corner in this league. So there's potential that he could be lining up on Mark Andrews. We don't know that for certain, but I think with Marquise Brown, they're going to manufacture touches for him. He's coming back more and more away from that injury. And so I think this could be a game with a, you know, where Baltimore scores a lot of points and I want those matchups. So uh, for me, Marquise Brown, but again, Marvin Jones is right behind him at uh, wide receiver 31 in my rankings. Brown is 28. Uh, Jones has been performing extremely well recently, uh, with even with Jeff Driscoll. So I think with Marvin Jones and the matchup there in Washington, he's a starting wide receiver for me as well. Right below them is DK Metcalf at wide receiver 33. I probably am going to move Metcalf down a little bit more too if Lockett plays. Philly's secondary has been a lot better the last couple weeks as well, ever since they got their guys healthy. Yeah, but I still think it's not necessarily anything like, you know, a, a star defense. I think it can can be beat. Right. He's still a wide receiver three regardless, like in everyone's rankings. Right. And I think for me, it's Josh Gordon coming up Josh Gordon is a play for me this week and I really really am tempted to put him into and tempted I say tempted I am putting him in lineups uh, in my rosters because I am really excited for Josh Gordon where I have Russell Wilson as a top is the top quarterback this week at QB1 so for me Josh Gordon I want the I want the pieces so Josh Gordon for me at wide receiver 30 as well Russell Wilson's absolutely up there. Now his ECR, Josh Gordon, is 48. So that's a little bit of a sleeper start too. I like the call. I've got him up at 42. Now I want to say this about Baltimore. Mark Andrews is incredible. He plays 30 to 35% of the snaps every game. So when he's not on the field, if Ramsey was shadowing him, what does he do? He probably moves back to Marquise Brown, right, Tegs? Yeah, I, I'm i really curious to see what they do. I mean, whatever the Rams have done on defense, it's worked. Uh, that's actually a, a fun fact that I actually learned just today. So, like, when I when I get done researching the games, like, I'll, I'll start writing, and then I stop, and I'm, like, trying to find little interesting tidbits to throw in here and there. And the Rams, if an explosive play is considered a 15-yard run or a 20-yard reception, the Rams this season have allowed just 26 of those plays. And that is the lowest in the NFL. Nobody else has allowed less than 31 of those plays. Marquise Brown is only getting uh, four targets per game. Like you'd have to go back to, I think it's week four to find the last time that he had more than four targets. So it's like if he's not getting the volume here, I don't think I, I don't think the Ravens are going to have to go through the air against the Rams, though. That's my thing is that 
I don't see the Rams scoring on Baltimore's defense. Like you, everybody watched the the Rams on on you know against the Bears on Sunday night. That that offense is a joke right now, and and the Ravens are a legit defense. They're a better defense than the Bears right now. Jared Goff is going to struggle. He's going to be without Robert Woods. It seems there's just like a whole lot of problems there. So I I don't know if I can say that Marquise Brown gets more than four or five targets in the game, and I just don't think that's enough against a defense that has limited that big play. I. I'm kind of I'm going to go back to Marvin Jones and say that he'd probably be the one I'd play out of those three. Let's go two more groups of three wide receivers, and then we'll move on to quarterback, tight end, DST to close it out. Let's go Tyler Boyd at home against Pittsburgh, uh, Muhammad Sanu at home against Dallas, and we'll throw in Will Fuller. He is going to play at home against Indianapolis. So Sanu, Boyd, Fuller, tags your first. Uh, it, they're all in the same range. I, honestly, I have Fuller the highest because... Like high-end wide receiver four? Is that where you have him? I am at 29. He's like a middling wide receiver three. It's almost like you're you're understanding the risk associated with him. Like there's a, there's a wide range of outcomes against Indianapolis, but it's almost like taking him because it's like, okay, the floor is going to be lower than someone probably like the, the Tyler Boyd, but is the ceiling worth giving up that little extra floor? And I think it is. How many games does he have over 10 fantasy points this year, guys? One. One game. Since week six, Tyler Boyd ranks as the wide receiver 65 in half-point scoring formats. It's not great. <laughs> and now he's got Ryan Finley throwing in the ball. Yeah, exactly. I tweeted this out the other day. And one, he's one spot above Jakeem Grant. Right, and now he's going up against Pittsburgh's defense. Last week, he went up against Oakland, like a pristine matchup. What did he do? One reception, zero yards, guys. That's like that's like the whole thing. Does the squeaky wheel get the grease? Because he complained after the game that he wasn't targeted, and they said they're going to get him the ball this week. And I, I just don't know if it's possible against Pittsburgh. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. And Mohamed Sanu goes up against Dallas. And Tags, you mentioned this yesterday. Dallas has a surprisingly great secondary um, so I agree. I think it's Will Fuller for me. I've got them all 36, 37, 38. Next group of three we got, and this is the last group of three. Let's go D.D. Westbrook at Tennessee. Demarius Thomas face Oakland. Kenny Stills face Indianapolis. Kyle, you're first this time. Westbrook, Thomas, Stills. Oh, it's completely D.D. Westbrook for me um, by far. I Demarius Thomas is not someone who I would recommend rolling out in a starting lineup. Um, and then... Stills with Fuller back. It split snaps with QT. Yeah, he's going to split snaps. So uh, it, you're not betting, you're not having consistent snaps. So, and I don't think Stills really did much while he did have the majority of snaps. So again, he's someone who I can't recommend rolling out. DD Westbrook is someone who I do like this week. Uh, Kenny Stills right now, ECR 42. I've got him down around that low-end wide receiver four territory. I like Westbrook and Thomas a little bit. Tags, I've got Thomas higher. It sounds like you agree with Kyle, though. Westbrook's your number one. Westbrook would be the guy. I actually went, this is one of those ones I went and watched to see what what Tennessee's doing without uh, Malcolm Butler in the lineup. And uh, they still have Logan Ryan in the slot. That's where uh, D.D. Westbrook plays. And I also went back and I rewatched the touchdowns that Logan Ryan allowed this year. The touchdowns that he allowed, uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, Mecole Hardman, those were two of them, and uh, obviously both speed demons. Most people don't know this about D.D. Westbrook, but the, he ran a, th- a 4-3-4, 40-yard dash at his pro day. He's a he's a burner, and he, like in college, he was known as someone that could stretch the field. For whatever reason, the Jags don't use him that way, but if they run like a crossing pattern with him, Logan Ryan can't keep up. Like that's basically, if they, all, all they have to do is go and watch film on this and say, Logan Ryan cannot keep up with that speed. Like, literally run a crossing route, and if they're in man coverage, hit him on the crossing route, and he's going to take it to the house. I really want him to, I, I want to see this happen because it just seems clear as day. It's like a rational coaching thing, but I don't know if we should consider that out of Jacksonville. I, I think you're wrong, man. I think you're wrong. I don't think all they have to do is do that. 
They also have to protect the quarterback, and they can't do that. Yeah, Nick Foles. I mean, the Foles didn't. I, that's another thing. So many people have said that Nick Foles, he targets slot, slot receivers, and you need to target D.D. Westbrook in your drafts. And I was like, well, it's a new offense, so let's wait and see. Foles has thrown 55 passes this year. Only six have gone to D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, like 54 of them went to D.J. Chark because, of <laughs> course, it's D.J. Chark. 54. Seriously. <laughs> like, I can you imagine in the preseason tags, that we would have been talking about DJ Chark this way. Like, man, the guy's an absolute superstar. Just throw him the ball. No, it's crazy. That That's actually something that's <laughs> no, that's something I realized. Like, like he's better. He is better than Odell Beckham. So tell me, guys, when's the last time this is putting you guys in the spot? 100 percent. It's going to require some research. But uh, like the top of your head, when was the last time we were able to find a top 12? Actually, he's top five right now. But let's just say top 12 wide receiver on the waiver wire. Oh, man. I mean, Tyler Boyd might have done it last year no he wasn't taught he was right around 16 18 something along those lines uh i'm trying to remember who this might be i think we drafted Sidney rice he's the name that comes to mind miles austin is my guest tags boyd was at uh wide receiver 17 no i don't even know the answer to this yeah boyd was wide receiver 17 last year but like it's it's basically something i started thinking about and i'm like with the information we have and knowing where targets go and even injuries at wide receiver it's not like one player just walks into a ton of targets and and if you were to say that dj chark and on top of that their starting quarterback goes down and they're starting Gardner Minshew. Like people would have laughed at you if you said that DJ Chark was going to be a top 12 wide receiver. But here we are. Uh, this is like one of those rare cases where, again, like he's he has to be in line for like fantasy MVP. I just looked it up, by the way, and the correct answer. Miles Austin, 2009. He was the wide receiver three and nobody drafted him. Year before that, he was wide receiver 86. I can't believe that breakout. Like he is... He's a lot like Preston Williams. I'm not saying Preston Williams is ever going to receive 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, but very similar types of situations. They both went to really small schools, super athletic guys. Miles Austin got his opportunity, broke out. Uh, I love Preston Williams for Dynasty Leagues. If they can go get Trevor Lawrence or one of these quarterbacks this year, he's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Now, guys, let's go to the quarterback position. And this is so funny to me, right? Because here we are talking about Carson Wentz has a great matchup this week against Seattle. His ECR is 14. And then we've got Dak Prescott. I don't, I mean, Dak Prescott's played really well. Again, the matchups have been incredible. The matchups for Wentz have been horrible. Who's the better quarterback? It's really dang close. And Dak Prescott against New England is ECR nine. Now I've got Carson Wentz guys nine spots higher than Dak Prescott. Am I crazy tags? I don't think you're crazy at all. I, I, I have Wentz higher than Dak as well. I have I have Carson Wentz higher than Aaron Rodgers this week. Me too? Yeah, baby, let's go. This thing Kyle talked, he just talked about the fact that he has Russell Wilson as his number one quarterback. I have him at number four, but if he thinks he's number one, obviously he's anticipating some scoring. And if that's happening, I mean, the Eagles have not been able to move the ball on the ground. And it's not like Seattle's a team that you really want to run the ball against. The way, to, the way they move the ball is through the secondary. I like Wentz this week. Uh, I have him at number I have him as my QB seven. I would actually start him over Drew Brees. I've got him number eight. I've got him right behind Baker Mayfield, actually. Same. <laughs> Which is so weird. Oh, do you? You've got Mayfield at six tags. I do. Okay, where do you where do you have these guys, Kyle? I have uh, Mayfield at nine, and I have Wentz at ten, and then I have Prescott at thirteen. And so the thing with the thing with like our quarterbacks, twelve through what sixteen, seventeen, the the point differential between them is very very minimal. So I think that you're it's kind of in the same tier, if you will. So yeah, Prescott at thirteen, but again, I it's not something that I feel great about. So as always, I'm going to name the must start quarterbacks. You guys tell me if you disagree or if I'm missing anybody. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. I'm just reading off my top six rankings. Okay, Matt Ryan, 
Deshaun Watson, Jameis Winston, Drew Brees. Any disagreements? I don't think Brees is a must play. I would I would agree with that. I think Brees can have a really good week, but I don't think that he's necessarily like a must must play. Okay. I mean, I think that's fair. He has a lot of volume this year. In the four games he started, 43 attempts, 43 attempts, 45 attempts, 35 attempts. Yeah. Um it's just a week like Carolina in terms of what they've allowed. It's it's a lot of work on the ground and the Saints run game is due for so much like they have so, so they have to they're going to regress to the mean in terms of like uh it's positive regression that's a real thing. Uh I had someone on Twitter the other day say stop saying positive regression. That's not a thing. I'm like do you know like regression to the mean? Like that that means the average, right? So, yes, this run game is going to get going. This is the way to do it. They're back at home uh against Carolina. So, yeah, I I don't feel like Breeze is like a must play. I, I I don't really understand. When I looked at that, I saw the ECR. His ECR is five. I've got him at six, man. I don't I don't really get. I just I, I agree. I think there's a big drop off between number five and number six this week. So I mean, there's only been three games this year where Carolina's allowed more than one passing touchdown. They've never allowed more than two. Just two quarterbacks have finished as QB ones against them, and we've seen Breeze over the last few years. Have they faced Michael Thomas? Well, they haven't faced Michael Thomas, no. <laughs> but they did play against Jameis Winston. They played against Aaron Rodgers. They played against Matt Ryan. And again, like a lot, a lot those none of those quarterbacks I just named off finished his top 12 quarterbacks. So, I mean, I have Breeze at eight, so I'm not saying that he's like a must sit or anything like that. I'm just saying that I don't think he's a smash play this week. So we've all got those guys in our top eight, along with Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz are in our top 10. Who else do you have in your top 10, Kyle? Derek Carr. I've got Derek Carr at 10. Yeah. Yeah, Derek Carr has been playing phenomenal football recently, and we've been starting to see him perform really well in some great matchups. So I think this is another great matchup. You know, Tags was talking about it earlier with the Jets and, you know, the secondary. Well, that, you know, that continues to the entire defense. So for me, Derek Carr, I have him as QB5 this week. Okay, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I, I don't love his volume. It's He doesn't throw more than 32 pass attempts, all but... I mean, since week three, he hasn't, but it's a great matchup. He's been consistent. I've got him at 10. Tags have got Aaron Rodgers at nine, even against San Francisco. What's your top 10? I have uh, the five you named. I have Baker Mayfield at six. I have Carson Wentz, Drew Brees at eight, Derek Carr at nine. I have Jacoby Brissett at 10. I've got Brissett quite a bit higher than ECR as well. I've got him at 11. I didn't understand. I don't understand the love for for Rodgers this week. I mean, he's not a guy that's been like dominating fantasy football. Like if you go through, he's actually finished outside the top 20 quarterbacks more than he's finished inside the top 12. So uh, against San Francisco, why? Like, why are we? I think part of it, I think I'll, I'll chime in really quick. I think part of it is the fact that Devontae Adams is coming back this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Adams. Well, that's the thing is Adams been back for two weeks now um, in the offense. And it's like I know they've had the bye week in order to get him even healthier and figure out what they're doing with Alan Lazard and whatnot. Yeah, but they were against the Chargers in Carolina. Like these are two teams who shut down the pass. Right. And what San Francisco is the same thing, though. That's. Sure. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. <laughs> That's where I'm saying is like San Francisco has been just like New England in terms of like you, you want to avoid it if possible. I'm again, I am at 11, so it's not like it's crazy to think Aaron Rodgers, you start him. But uh, Derek Carr, I like the only thing the only the only worry I have, Kyle, is that. Derek Carr, they're traveling from Oakland to New York. Like, that's coast to coast. You don't travel any further than that in the NFL on the road. Uh, is this like a trap game for them? The thing with the thing with Oakland is that we have now seen them travel more than any other team in the NFL. Like, they have their travel miles this year are insane. And so I think that it's just, I agree that it's worrisome going from coast to coast. But yet, at the same time, like, they're completely used to it. So for me, I'm, it's not as big of a concern. Okay, guys, so we're going to play a game. We've already named our top 10. 
I want Kyle, you to start us. You give us two other quarterbacks. You'd feel comfortable starting this week. I'll pick two after that. I can't pick the same ones. And then tags, you pick two after that. You can't pick any of the ones we've named. So who do you have, Kyle? Uh, the first one I'll do is Sam Darnold. Uh, I have him as QB 11. So against Oakland, a uh, beatable matchup. Uh, and I think that this is a, it, we're starting to see the New York Jets put up some good numbers. Again, good matchups, but it's going to continue this week. So Sam Darnold for me. And then another one I'll put out is Jameis Winston, I think, against, uh, and it's the same theme for me, is just putting up those points uh, in, in beatable uh, matchup through the air. So for me, Jameis Winston against Atlanta. All right, Tags, the two I'm taking here, Josh Allen, even going up against Denver just because he runs the ball so well, I feel like it's safe. I'd feel comfortable playing him. Uh, a lot of people are going to say Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that's where you'll go. His ECR is 11. Dak Prescott's at 9. Tom Brady's at 8. I'm not going to say any of those guys. I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill against Jacksonville. Ooh, I was worried you were going to say my Ryan. I took, I'm took. i taking a different Ryan. I'm taking Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ooh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, baby. All right. ECR 21. So wait, what do you, what do you think about Tannehill? Tannehill, I'm, I'm not, I mean, that's a division game. Jacksonville is tougher against the pass. I, I don't think Tannehill throws the ball a lot. Like, if they want to win that game. Threw the ball 19 times in week 10. He had 19 fantasy points. Yeah, I know. Like, his rushing, his rushing has carried him a little bit. But yeah, sure. <laughs> this is Derrick Henry week. Like, we could see another 200-yard, three-touchdown game out of Derrick Henry. So you're going Ryan Fitzpatrick, and who's your other one? You going Trubisky? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, uh, <laughs> no, I mean... I, I guess I'd say Tom Brady. I wouldn't feel bad about Trubisky if he plays against the Giants. We haven't said Tom Brady. You're using him against Dallas? I, I mean, it is what it is. Tom Brady at home, I, I don't know. I haven't, I'm not excited about him, but uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, by the way. So even with Joby in the lineup and Miles Garrett in the lineup and Morgan Burnett, uh, with those guys in the lineup, the Browns have allowed eight of 10 quarterbacks to finish his top 15 options. So knowing that they're out, knowing we talked about this, Miami can't run the ball. And I just feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to throw for 300 yards, probably going to get two touchdowns. He might have a pick here or there. The only concern is that he gets benched if he plays like crap. Uh, like he doesn't have that like total DGAF factor, but he's been playing pretty well. I can't see them just going away from him. So this is like uh, Sigmund Bloom. I talked to him and uh, the other day and uh, we were talking about it. Now we both made the same analogy, Bobby, where I talked about the major league thing. Where it's like, this is like the crazy major league like story where it's like, they think we suck. Well, he made the same analogy and he's like, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a perfect guy to lead that charge. Like, they think we suck. Let's show them. Right. I love it. He's making a, he actually <laughs> had his first 300-yard game last week against the Bills. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a, is a, he's a fine play. So we said no to Dak Prescott against New England. I think that is obvious. ECR at nine, though. I don't understand it. But I want to explain why no to Jimmy Garoppolo. His ECR is 11, going up against the Packers. Their secondary hasn't been as good. It's still better than average. But Jimmy Garoppolo's had three good games this season. Because, duh, he played the Bengals and he played the Cardinals twice. He also played Tampa Bay and he put up 11 points. And the most points he's put up outside of those games against Cincinnati and Arizona 15 and he gets green bay this week i don't understand him being a top 12 quarterback now guys let's go to the tight end position and uh, it is so incredibly ugly Ertz is a lock i mean i guess andrews is a lock because he's andrews not a great matchup against the rams darren waller horrible matchup against the jets you still got to play him uh, jared cook it's carolina uh, i guess he's a start dallas goddard against seattle is my tight end five greg olson against new orleans do you guys have any problems with those six kyle you first no, I don't have any problems with that. I think Jared Cook is in for another big game, and Greg Olson I'm not super excited about. Dallas Goddard is one of those players that I just 
I have never felt super confident rolling him out this week. He's produced, but yeah, it's not something that I'm like super, super confident in. So for me, he's my tight end 11. So I have him a little bit lower. ECR six tags. What do you think about those six I named? Are they all starts for you? Uh, Greg Olson. I mean, I think they are all starts like Greg Olson. I have at 12. I'm not really excited about him. I don't think New Orleans is a great matchup. Uh, I, I think Eric Ebron belongs in the top tier. Uh, now, the ankle injury that he's reportedly dealing with, that's like starting to move me off him a little bit because I had him I had him as high as number four tight end this week. Like I wanted to play him over Darren Waller. Like, But now that we're hearing T.Y. Hilton might come back and it's like, uh-oh, and now Ebron has an ankle injury and I'm starting to sour on him a little bit. But he's played in a Colts uniform. He's played again in three games against Houston and uh, he's scored in every single game against them. And so to, to know that he's playing a bigger role as a wide receiver and that Houston's really struggling against the pass, I, I don't know why people don't like Ebron this week. I mean, I, I, I explained the reasons now, but I didn't know, you know, two days ago. If Ebron, if really quick, if Ebron does sit, are you rolling out Jack Doyle as a top ten option? But he's been dinged up too. Like he didn't have any targets last week. But yes, I, I, so Mo Alley Cox. If they're both out, <laughs> no. But if it, yeah, if if Eric Ebron is out, I would definitely move Doyle up, and I'd probably play Doyle over someone like Greg Olson. Actually, you know it's interesting. Ebron is at ECR eleven. Doyle's at ECR thirteen. Now, guys, we're gonna play the same game. Uh, we're gonna go in a different order this time. Tags, you get to go first. Kyle, you're gonna go last. Tags, why don't you give us two other tight ends we haven't talked about that you would feel comfortable starting? Ryan Griffin, for sure. Knew you were going to say him. ECR7, face Oakland. Yeah, and Vance McDonald. Those are, my, those are the two that I'd feel confident in. Like, Vance McDonald sucks, but uh, they're playing Cincinnati, and they don't have wide receivers really available. Uh, and again, Mason Rudolph. Hasn't got over 40 receiving yards this week. Does he do it? He still sucks, and yes, he probably does. Because, like, again, Juju's not playing. Deontay Johnson, if he does play, he hasn't been involved in the game plan throughout the week. Uh, again, Mason Rudolph's not going to take very many shots down the field because he doesn't want to turn the ball over. Uh, I just see a lot of checkdowns in the near future. And we've seen Vance McDonald get seven targets in three straight games so i think this is another high target game for him and and you know cincinnati might just be worse than vance mcdonald i think that's a good call now i've got four others that i feel pretty good about and uh i'm gonna take the low-hanging fruit though just to see what kyle does here i'm going with gerald everett of course because he gets the targets and uh he's going up against baltimore ecr8 and then i'm going ecr9 jacob hollister because well, duh, he has Russell Wilson as his quarterback, and Russell Wilson loves tight ends. As we've seen in the last two weeks, Hollister has 16 targets, three touchdowns. So it is now to you, Kyle. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, well, I have two guys that I still feel confident with. So, oh, good. Ha-ha. Okay. <laughs> um, I, will take, I will take Cameron Brait against Atlanta. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Eat it, Jags. <laughs> <laughs> so with Brait, uh, for me, this is all about O.J. Howard officially being done in Tampa. I think he's benched. He's not coming back. So I think that with Cameron Brait, he saw 10 targets last week, uh, if I remember correctly. So cons- involved in the game plan, uh, this is not a argument of like Bruce Arians doesn't use tight ends. Well, he just doesn't use OJ Howard apparently. So for me, Cameron Brait is a, a solid option this week. I think it has everything to do with Jameis Winston just loving Brait. 14 targets. Every time Brait's on the field, he can't pass it to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin because he just has to pass it to Brait. I think Brait's a solid play this week, and I think you can still find him on some waiver wires. Uh, and then for me... No, hold on. I'm going to stop you before you give this one. If you name the correct name here, we become best friends on the podcast. Because Tags is going to disagree with you if you say my guy. <laughs> All right. Well, this is no pressure. <laughs> for me, it's Noah Fant. Yeah, no, baby. Let's go. No, All right. No. Woo! 
So I have been, I was a huge fan of Noah Fant coming out. Um, obviously part of my work over at the fantasy footballers is scouting incoming rookies. So I uh, was a huge fan of Noah Fant and what he brought to the table. And then as soon as we saw Emmanuel Sanders traded, he has now, his target share has shot through the roof. Again, not fantastic targets but when we're talking about like you open this this segment Bobby was saying like it's ugly it is like this is this is the game that you play with tight ends so for me I have Noah Fant as tight end 10 I will roll him out in my lineups I've got him tight end seven guys I mean since they traded Sanders he's leading the team in targets he had 11 last week they were trying to fight they were force feeding him in the red zone trying to uh, come back in that game and who can take one to the house? If we're looking for a guy who can bust out, we're throwing a dart. Why not Noah Fant? Tags, we don't have time for you to rebuttal, so too bad. All right, go for <laughs> it. I'm just, I'm just messing. Go for it. No, no, here's, here's the re- I, I, I want to talk to you guys about this because, like, I, I actually picked up Fant in a couple of leagues, but I'm not playing him this week. But it was more about picking him up because, like, the target share, Brandon Allen is gravitating towards him and Cortland Sutton, which is a good thing to do. They're two big-bodied guys. So who are you starting, like, Ben Broniker? But here's the thing. They so the Bills. The Bills are the reason. The Bills have yet to allow a tight end more than forty-eight yards this year. They have played against Zach Ertz. They played against Evan Ingram. They played against Delaney Walker. Against Mike Gesicki. Obviously, Dallas Goddard is part of that. It's not a one-year thing either. They were the second-best team in football against tight ends last year, allowing just five point eight nine yards per target. This year, they're allowing just twenty-nine point six yards per game to the position overall, not to the starter. Oh, so like better than Vance McDonald's ever been? Correct. Yes, that's that's very true. <laughs> But knowing that Fant has caught just 56% of his targets, he would likely need another 11 targets to produce as a low-end tight end one in this matchup. So, I mean, I have him at 15, so it's not like, oh, you can't even debate starting him. But the guys that we've talked about so far, I, like Ryan Griffin is someone that I would start over him pretty confidently. It's a good argument. I think it just comes down to... If you have Zach Ertz, you feel good. If you don't, you feel really crappy this week. <laughs> right, completely. That was what I was going to say. I have Ryan Griffin as my tight end five. Like, I'm playing Ryan Griffin over Fant. And, but the thing is, when we're looking at the tight end landscape, what can you, you're either betting on target share or touchdown upside, right? So it's like you're either rolling the dice with a guy who could, you know, walk into the end zone, get one end zone target. That We call that the Darren Fells. But I think with, Noah Fant, you can either bet on target share. And so I'll bet on that. So I really like that you're agreeing with tags and I about tight ends because I'm looking at the Fantasy Pros football accuracy rankings out of 140 contestants. Kyle Yates, number three at ranking tight ends this year. Nice, nice. That's always good. I mean, it's weird. Noah Fant over the year? For the year, dude. Top, you're number three. Well, that's news to me. <laughs> Noah Fant. <laughs> Noah Fant like, it has like one of the biggest, like in terms of like deviation and rankings, like uh, the, the best ranking on him is number four. The worst is 21. So obviously there's uh, there's some heavy opinions there. All right, guys, we're going to go to DST and here's how we're going to do it. We're each going to give one streamer that we like. Obviously, we're starting Pittsburgh, New, uh, New Orleans against Carolina, Buffalo, Chicago, uh, Cleveland because they're going up against Miami. Whoever's going up against Jameis Winston, it's Atlanta this week. So give me one out of those top six that you would love to play. You can't use New England either. I'm taking them out. Okay, you're first, Kyle. For me, it's the Detroit Lions. Oh, I'm you stole mine! To, um, <laughs> I'm willing to roll the dice with the Detroit Lions. So with Dwayne Haskins, obviously he was a, like, essentially a game manager in the game against, I think it was Buffalo at that point, where he only threw for like 154 yards, wasn't involved. Last week, we saw him start to take some shots down the field, but that O-line just can't do anything. Detroit has some big guys on the defensive front, and while they could get gashed in the run game, when we're playing this game of rolling the dice with defenses, I don't, I'll don't. i take some yardage 
hits, but Washington's not going to put up points. So I think I'll roll with Detroit. I think that's fair. Tags, you can't use Baltimore either because they're not a streamer. You can't get them in a league. So who are you taking outside of them? Broncos against the Bills. I mean, Josh Allen's protected the ball. He's, he hasn't turned the, he hasn't thrown an interception in five weeks, but he's also played some uh, some relatively weak defenses. Denver's going to bring the pressure a little bit, and uh, I, I still think that they're they're playing like a top five defense in the NFL. I know they they like legitimately gave that game away to the Vikings, but Kirk Cousins has been carrying that team. Um, that that secondary for the Vikings is terrible. Um, but it's crazy to see the the transformation of that defense, the way that things are moving. But uh, Denver is still a really 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 good defense, and uh, Josh Allen he's improving. He's looks better this year, but at the same time he's not a guy that I I don't believe that he's like he's someone that doesn't throw interceptions. He's going to throw interceptions and knowing that Chris Harris is probably going to be shadowing John Brown, that's taking away his top option. And uh, if he tries to press the the issue too much, there's going to be some turnovers. You have to use Chris Harris Jr. Otherwise, I think you're talking about Chris Harris from Harris football <laughs> that comes on our podcast. And uh, thinking about him out there playing football is just funny to me. Now, we've named my top 10. Rounding out my top 12 are the San Francisco 49ers. Even against Green Bay, they're at number 12 for me. My number 11 this week is ECR 14. The Tennessee Titans uh, going up against Jacksonville. They're coming off a bye. They've got 27 sacks on the season. They're going up against one of the worst pass-protecting offensive lines in football. And Nick Foles is terrible when he's under pressure. Now, we haven't seen that the last couple years because he's been with Philadelphia. One of the best offensive lines in football. Jacksonville's a horrendous offensive line. They weren't under pressure last week because they were just playing really conservative zone with a big lead against Nick Foles, and he still threw a couple really bad passes. So I think this is a good spot for Tennessee this week, and I'd love to have him. Now, guys, that's all for today's show. Kyle, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. It's our pleasure. All right, and I want to say thanks to the sponsors of today's show, Pristine Auction. Remember, it's time to start shopping for gifts for your dad, for your brother, anyone in your family, your friends, for yourself, for your kids. In Pristine Auction, you're going to find something for everybody. It's pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. And don't forget to enter that registration code, Fantasy Pros, when you sign up for free. And also FanDuel, remember if you're a new user, you're going to get $5 in site credit when you make your first deposit. Either download the FanDuel app or go to fanduel.com slash fantasypros. And by the way, don't forget to enter for the signed Dak Prescott full-sized Cowboys helmet giveaway at fantasypros.com contest. Again, all you need to do, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher and send us a screenshot of that review to contest at fantasypros.com. And one more thing, don't forget about our Start State Assistant. I really think it's going to help you guys win your championships because it's like having a team of experts in your war room. Check it out at fantasypros.com myplaybook. For Kyle Yates and Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.